The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Table Talk. This episode is going to be the first of the Story Month project. Now, if you want to put your uh, put your time machine on and head back with me to the very first episode of 2020, we did a New Year's episode. And to be honest, it was one of the more fun episodes I think we've done. We all, we all had a great time. And even now, I even sometimes listen to that one just if I want to laugh. But Somewhere amongst that, you anybody that listens to this show with any kind of regularity will know that Matt has a tendency to make promises that he expects others to deliver on, usually me, and that particular episode was no exception. He made a promise that uh, we were going to do Story Month because we said, that's a great idea, and so that's kind of how this started. It was a very organic, on-the-air decision, but... Uh, it is really in harmony with the core of what we're doing because ultimately what we're doing on this show, you know, we like to say we have the conversations you wish you could have at church. And a part of that is being vulnerable with each other, sharing our stories with one another. And that just grows community, right? That that uh, vulnerability gives, uh, gives opportunity for connection to people. And so the concept w- that was hatched on that fateful day when we were recording that episode was that we would do story month and we would release a story every day for a complete month and that that would be a, a way for people to connect and to show who they are and to connect with others and so this is what we endeavored to do we are in the process of doing that here in the month of may and i thought it might be nice to take just a couple of the stories and utilize them as a, an episode for you guys so it's a little bit out of the ordinary something a little bit of a different format There are two stories that we're going to share with you today, and the first one that I would like to introduce you to is a lady by the name of Renee. Now, Renee was one of the early, uh, the earlier people in the process that shared their story with us. And when I when I received her email, and I I should uh, clarify that the the way we're sharing the stories is uh, posting them out on our social media channels. So if you're not currently following us on social media, I recommend that you do that. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for um, at OzTableTalk. That's our handle. So if you look for OzTableTalk on either of those two, you'll find us. But the point I was getting at is uh, Renee was one of the first people to submit her story. And when I read it, it just hit me so hard in the heart. And I knew that, man, this is this was a great idea. And, you know, <laughs> Willsey, this is one of those times where I'm not I'm not angry with you for pro- promising that I'm going to do something. <laughs> uh, but it really has been a great process. You know, speaking to a whole bunch of you guys, pulling the, the stories together, you sh- sharing them with us. And we're, we've been able to go through them because, of course, as we edit them, you know, uh, Ben's been doing a lot of the editing. Dave's been doing the editing. And, and so we've been sharing them out every day on our social media. So if you have enjoyed any of what you hear in today's episode, if you want to get all of the stories, make sure you follow us uh, on the socials. So having said all of that, I'm going to pass you over to Renee as she shares her story with you firsthand. I would say that God has been leading me through difficulties and challenges since the beginning of my life. My biological father struggled with addiction and mental health problems. My biological mom was compassionate to a fault. When I was six months old, my biological father murdered my biological mom, and that has set the trajectory of my life. 
God has been taking care of me from before I was born, and I believe that he preserved my life during that time. I was taken to a foster home that night, and shortly after I arrived, my maternal grandmother came to pick me up. My family had to go through a legal battle in order to keep me, another instance of God fighting by our side. By the time I was two, my maternal grandparents were able to adopt me. Growing up, I feel very blessed. I refer to my maternal grandparents as my mom and dad because they are the only parents I consciously remember. My parents were able to give me a very full childhood. I think since they were retired, they were able to devote much of their lives to tending to my needs. When I was growing up, I always felt like I needed to explain to people why my parents were so old and would recount my trauma as if it were no big deal. I would say I had a pretty typical experience from elementary through high school. I was blessed to be surrounded by lots of family and friends. I got to go on mission trips, road trips, and various other activities. As I earlier said, my parents were very involved in my life. I had everything I needed and most of what I wanted. Next came college. My freshman year, I started out as a psychology major. I was very fascinated in the mind and how what people think links to what they do. The major didn't quite fit. I ended up talking to the professors in the Joint Psychology Social Work Department and found that my interests were more in alignment with the field of social work. I also found out that a social worker had helped my mom, who's also my grandma, in a recent court hearing she had attended regarding my bio dad. I thought it was a perfect fit. I also really liked serving God and helping others. My sophomore year of college, my dad, who's also my grandpa, passed away. That is a time I am really thankful for Adventist education. I was in an environment that was so supportive. People were able to support me in ways that would not have been possible elsewhere. Professors, pastors, deans, friends, everyone was there for me. I was able to stay in school that quarter, only going home for the funeral. I would say that is a reflection of God and the resiliency He has given me. Success is something that is very important to my family, and my personal hardships will not get in the way of accomplishing my dreams, goals, and the plans God has for my life. I also think this highlights what is scary about having older parents. My mom, who is also my grandmother, is still alive and doing well, but she is 90. I feel like when she has passed away, I will have lost two sets of parents, which is hard. My fourth year of college, I felt called by God to be a student missionary. I went to Poland and taught conversational English for the year. I went, to, I went into the experience dedicating it to my relationship with God. He really helped open doors for me to even be able to go in the first place. I learned to put my life in His hands and in His control. I also fell in love with travel and other cultures, which is something I am passionate about and feel very privileged to be able to do. There were times where my relationship with God was the only thing that brought me through. I went back to college and completed my final year. I then went and spent time studying abroad in Germany. I felt like I needed to embrace life abroad before heading to graduate school. Finally, this past year, I went to graduate school and completed my master's in social work. I'm really proud of myself and all that I have been able to do so far in my lifetime. I know that this would not be possible without the power of God. During graduate school, I was able to do an internship at a county juvenile department. It is kind of interesting considering my early childhood trauma, but now I am very passionate about the justice system in the United States and juvenile justice in particular. It is interesting how trauma can impact outcomes for individuals and often can result in criminal behavior because folks did not have the right resources. 
During my internship, I learned about restorative justice and believe it is an important and Christ-like model. It holds individuals accountable, gives space for the victim and community, but also helps the offender be able to reintegrate and feel that they still have a place in their community. There was a film I watched at the beginning of my internship, a story about a grandma, her granddaughter, and the man who murdered the grandma's daughter, the granddaughter's mom. They had a victim-offender dialogue. In the conversation, the man apologized to the family for what he had done. It was so powerful. It made me think of my own story and what my own biological father would do if given the opportunity. Though I personally do not want a relationship with him, I do have compassion and forgiveness in my heart and wish him the best considering the circumstances. While he needs to be held accountable for his actions, there is space for forgiveness, just as Christ has forgiven all of us. I guess people find me interesting because I am resilient and have risen above hardship. I currently work as a mental health therapist and can't wait to see where God takes me next. All I can say is, wow, like, after everything Renee had been through, she was still able to say, there is space for forgiveness. Yeah, when she said that, I was just blown away that a person can can say that. And it's interesting that I really believe that no person can really say that. You know, I think that is 100% the influence of God working through them and enabling them, empowering them to do that, because that is a truly courageous thing. But it's the only thing that makes sense to do in the Christian context, because ultimately, we, after all, we have been forgiven. It makes sense for us to forgive. And it's easy for us to say that when the people that we're forgiving are people that cut us off in traffic. But it's another thing entirely to still have the same result, to still have the same resolve when what we're talking about is something as serious as as what Renee has been through. And so I'm encouraged and inspired by her. And I hope that you guys are too. Next, we have the story of an Australian pastor, Pastor Dave Toogood, and Dave is currently ministering in the US, but it's interesting. I asked Dave to be a part of this project, and he said yes, which was great, but he must have misunderstood the communication, and so rather than just writing a, a post that we could share out on social media, he went to the trouble of making a video, because that's what he thought he was asked for, and so I thought this might be a good opportunity for me to just pull the audio from the video for this, but if you want to see the video itself, then you you're going to have to jump onto our social media, jump onto Facebook or, or on Instagram, and you, you should be able to find it there. So without any further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Dave. Hey, my name is Dave, and this is a part of my story. So I'm currently the youth pastor at La Sierra University Church in Riverside, California. Although, as you can hear from my accent and from my voice, I don't actually come from America at all. I have just moved here actually from Queensland, Australia, where I was working at a little church in a town called Karoi, and I was chaplain for Noosa Christian College there as well. A couple of things that I'm really passionate about in, in my life these days, as you can see behind me in the background, is my coffee machine. Um, I love coffee, not just for the flavor and that little boost of caffeine, although that is super nice. I also love it for the community that it brings together and the culture that it has, the, the whole idea of being able to come and to share a drink and share some food and chat and connect in relationship with people is so important to me and something that I'm really passionate about. 
Another thing that I absolutely love to do is to go hiking, to get outdoors into the wide open spaces, to climb mountains and see waterfalls and just experience the best that this world has to offer. So one of the things that I was asked to, to reflect on and think about with you today was my own journey with Jesus in relation to spirituality. Obviously, I said I'm a pastor, and so I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. I believe that I'm saved by his death and his resurrection, and that I can live each and every single day walking step by step with him. That sounds beautiful and idealistic, and I get that, but it's not always so easy. It's trying to think in my mind of the first time that I met Jesus or felt like I was in relationship with him or transformed by him in some way. And what came to mind for me was actually back when I was 10 years old. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, so the words Jesus and God and religious vocabulary and the practice of going to church is something I have known since my very, very earliest memories. But at the age of 10, I was challenged actually by my dad to read the Bible for myself. Uh, I didn't really know exactly what I was doing or where to start, but there was something so phenomenal about just reading the words of scripture that I started to encounter, I guess, God for the first time in my own life personally, not just because um, my parents said something or did something or I turned up to church, but I actually started to have a relationship with the God that these words I was reading was talking about. And as I spent more time doing that, uh, I discovered that God was someone or something that I wanted to spend my life following. Fast forward a little while from that and life doesn't stay as simple as it does when you're 10 years old. When I was 10, I was carefree and, and the, the Bible was this, I, I suppose, whitewashed idealistic book that I had come across with whitewashed idealistic Christian values in it based on the kind of lifestyle you have when you get to live near the beach in a Western country and, and your family is together and, and life is good. Uh, unfortunately, we don't all get to live our lives every single day like that. And I certainly have had my fair share of doubts and struggles along the way. I remember when I was 22 years old, I had gone and I had studied and become a pastor. And so I'm now like devoting my life to this organization, the church, or this is, this is where my career is happening. This is where my work is happening. It's all built around this faith and this ideology of, of spirituality as expressed in scripture. And I reached this point where I'm just like, is any of this worth it at all? Do I even want God to be a part of my life? And it was a, it was a real stress and a challenge for me. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on with family and personally in my own life at the time. And I suppose maybe for the first time in a real way, I was struggling with this whole concept of God and God, if you are there, why? Why is this happening? How does this work? What does it even mean to follow you? You seem like this distant, difficult construct. Oh, and by the way, there's all this stuff going on in my life and it's just not working out right now. 
So I actually took some time off. I went and connected into one of my great loves, which was hiking. And I hiked across the width of the entire country of Spain on a walk called the Camino. And this was basically uh, 28 days of straight hiking, one day after the next. And the reason that I chose this was because I felt the need to just reconnect with myself and with who I am, but also to really search through some of the more painful times of life and some of the more struggling times of my life to search and try and find God. Now I realize that not everybody has the, the luxury to be able to just pack up their lives for, for over a month and hike across some country in Europe. And so I, I feel very, very blessed that this was something that I was able to do. And as I was on that walk and I was really analyzing my life and, and starting to, to think about, God, if you're there, where do you fit and how does this work? And um, I had these, these moments in time where I felt like I was held by the God of the universe. Wasn't this instant where I was healed and everything was fine and I put my happy face back on and pretended like Christianity was this easy, amazing thing. Uh, it was actually these slow building moments where I realized that actually being in relationship with the God of the universe means that he is going to walk with you and be with you every step of the way through the pain and through the struggle and through the difficult times and when nothing quite seems to make sense he's there and somehow just the realization of presence the realization that this god that i thought i'd been following my whole life even in the midst of my doubt and my struggle and my pain, the realization that he was there was all that I needed. And I was able to bring the big doubts and the big questions and, and you know, to some of those things, I still don't have answers, um, but I'm able to search and I'm able to struggle and I'm able to be in the pain of life, knowing that in somehow or some way, God understands and God hasn't left me or abandoned me and God is there with me in the midst of it all, somehow that makes it easier to walk another day. Wow. I really appreciate Dave's honesty and his insight because a lot of the people that share their stories or the, the people that do stand up the front of churches and tell their testimony, their testimony is usually an amazing story of, you know, being into terrible things and having this really dramatic experience and turning around and facing God. And we tend to exalt or give airplay to those stories. And that is with good cause because they are beautiful stories of redemption but we also should not neglect the stories of the people who grew up with an understanding of God because just because their story doesn't look the same doesn't mean it's any less valuable. And I really appreciate Dave's story because it's one that I can relate to at a deeper level than I can stories of great dramatic redemption because I too grew up mostly in the, in the church and I had great exposure to Christianity right from my earliest memories. So coming to the place in my adult years where I had to 
make the faith my own or jettison it, I had to go through a similar thing. I didn't have the the um, capacity or the opportunity to walk across Spain, which I think would have been an amazing experience. But um, I could certainly relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of the people that are in our audience can relate to that as well, because that is what I hear from a lot of people. Even the people that I reached out to as we were preparing to do Story Month, a lot of the people said, but I don't feel like I have a story. And then they would produce this wonderful narrative of what God has done in their lives. And I always think, isn't it interesting how we tend to devalue what's natural or normal to us in favor of something that is dramatically different when to somebody else to whom that story is uh, out of the ordinary, they would find it beautiful. Or people to whom it would seem familiar, they are encouraged because they realize they're not the only ones on the journey. And so whatever your story is, whether it's like Renee's or whether it's like Dave's or like someone else's or entirely unique, I just encourage you that it is something that is going to encourage others. So never be afraid to share it. Anyway, we're going to leave that there for this week, and we'll be back next week with some more stories. We're going to be running uh, stories as much as we can through the month of May. So uh, if you enjoy this, let us know on social media. Be super keen to hear from you. And especially if you uh, hear any of the stories that really resonate with you, jump onto our social media and hit the share button. Because if we share these stories far and wide, it gives them even more opportunity to change people's hearts. So I will leave it there. God bless you guys, and I'll see you next week. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately, what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk. And you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.